0: let's talk pr and more public relations media publicity integrated communications
1: marketing digital reputation management
0: and more let's talk pr and more with award-winning pr strategist sherry goldman
1: i'm sherry goldman president of goldman communications group and this is let's talk pr and more My guest today is Lara Keshelewska. Lara is founder of the graphic design firm Optimum Design & Consulting, and Lara is a branding expert. She's a former national president of the Graphic Artists Guild, and a former New York chapter president of the National Association of Women's Business Owners. And I'm excited she's here today to discuss branding. So welcome, Lara, good to have you on the show.
0: Thank you so much, Sherry. It's really fun to be here.
1: Great, so let's talk branding. And branding, by definition, as I understand it, is the identity, the persona of a company, a product, an organization. And certainly, I think people know a lot of famous brands that we can identify. But I think I want to start with how do you define
0: branding? Well, that's a very good question because branding is one of those words that means different things to different people. And many people just think that your brand is your logo. But as you mentioned, it is actually so much more. I think of branding as a first impression. When you meet somebody, everybody knows that you get that first impression right away. Some people say you get it in three seconds, some people say it's instantaneous, but you make this judgment about meeting somebody based on the way they look, the way they stand, the way they're smiling, their facial expression, their posture, their clothes. And while sometimes people are able to overcome that, often that just stays with you. And so people have a first impression when they encounter your brand and it could be visual by looking at your logo or your website it could be by walking into your store and just the experience of what that feels like it could be by reading a social media post if that's really the first time they're hearing your brand and so it's the the words that are being used so branding is about putting a face on a thing like we're very visual emotional creatures and we have this first impression or this first experience it might be audio like it might be you know, the sound or the scent, like you walk by a Cinnabon and like that scent is their branding. Everybody knows what that smells like. Everybody knows what Play-Doh smells like.
1: Yes, not good, but yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, did you know that Play-Doh is actually trademarked their scent? No, I did not. And I know. And, and Harley-Davidson is trademarked its sound because its engines go potato, 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 potato. And so you can actually trademark. I mean, most people know that Tiffany's trademarked that blue color everybody knows that blue box right Right. so it's really that that first impression you get whether it's a sound or a scent or a a visual image you know or, or just the experience of something you know walking into a Disney theme park has a really specific feel and that is the brand of Disney so it's the sensory recognition and emotional response first and foremost and then the intellectual part kicks in where you can actually read the words on a page or put together a judgment on a brand's value and you know, understand, you know, what the brand promises. Like a lot of brands have like a, an expectation that comes with them. You know, you get your Apple product in this white box and you have this expectation of what it's going to feel like to take it out of the box. Okay, or like, you know, so that's the all part that whole
1: experience is part of the branding from your perspective?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. What's the difference to you between going in to get a cup of coffee from starbucks versus dunkin donuts versus mcdonald's like what to you are the brand promises of those three like what does that experience look like in your mind for
1: me personally well i don't like mcdonald's coffee i'm not big on starbucks i shouldn't say because it's burnt although the experience of starbucks in a store is much better than the experience of duncan i'm a Dunkin' girl for the taste of the coffee
0: yeah, but you know, like you already know what it's like to walk into a Starbucks store Absolutely. because that's their brand. One more, one more example, and, and this is a fun one. If I say to you, Volvo, what's the first word that comes to mind? Safety. Yeah, it's not car. Because Volvo's brand is so strong, they've, cor- they've correlated it with safety. So branding really defines you by making a brand promise. If you buy a Volvo car, you're going to be safe. If you go into Starbucks, you're gonna have this experience with like a loungey environment and music and fancy stuff.
1: You've brought in my perspective to understand branding as being larger than I thought it was because you're right, people think of branding, they think of a logo, they might think of Mm -hmm. a color. So how does somebody start? What does a company do to get started on figuring out a brand? And I assume that has to, it's not chicken and egg, it has to come first.
0: It's interesting that you use the afraid chicken and egg because there are companies that started because the owner wasn't aware that branding was important. And so they just said, okay, this is our name and this is what we do. And then as they evolved and matured as business owners, they realized that they needed to develop a brand. Okay. And then there are companies that take the time to figure out what their brand is before they even launch. So sometimes it's both. Like you you can, sometimes it's the chicken and sometimes it's the egg.
1: Which is better but, from your perspective, Lara, which
0: I, in a perfect world, what what which is better? So, a, because a brand is about the promise you're giving and the experience that someone else is experiencing, you really need the feedback loop to see that what you're promising is actually being perceived as what the promise is. You know, you you could be a, a construction company and have a um, and this this is a real world example that happened to me once. They wanted a pink logo. And I had to explain (laughs) that that's not really what their target audience is thinking about, you know, that that wasn't going to appeal to that audience. So they had in their mind like a disconnect between like what their brand was going to be and how they were going to portray it in the world. So having a company that's been around for a while has more experience in that. Like they already know a little bit better who their target audience is and what's going to appeal to them. So when they think about either, you know, doing branding for the first time, even though they've been in business for several years, or going through a brand refresh, they can actually use information and feedback that they've gotten from their clients, from their vendors, from their staff, from their different stakeholders. Maybe they have a board of directors, or you know, maybe they have advisors. And that's very important, helpful feedback for building a brand. On the flip side, if you're just brand new, you have to sort of make it up. And it's not that one is better than the other because, you know, obviously you do want all the information from all the different people who experience you to help guide whether the experience you're trying to project is actually how it's being received, how it's landing on people. But you do want to make sure that when you're first starting out, you're you're trying your best, even though it's just your own information internally in your head. So you try initially, you start with a brand, that's well thought out internally, but then you need that feedback from real life to deepen and strengthen and build on it.
1: Okay. So to me, and we're going to talk more about this because I want to talk more about this with you. I would think you want to ideally get it as close to right to start with because a rebrand and a refresh is a whole nother program process so when somebody's establishing a brand and i hear what you're saying when they're starting out they may not know everything this goes into marketing and public relations Mm -hmm. and branding what should they know and consider and and one of the first things i would say is who's your target audience and who's your customer
0: exactly you definitely start with who is your target audience and what is it that you are doing for them that's where the brand promise comes in. So, you know, I I want to do X service for Y audience for Z results. Okay. So, figure out what that is and you probably want to test it with people rather than just do everything all on your own. So, you talk to advisors, you hire a marketing consultant, you talk to a PR firm, you, you you talk to other business owners, you talk to people who are doing similar things or have done similar things. So you get as much feedback as you can and you come up with what you think your company is going to do and how that is going to, uh, how you are going to distinguish that from everybody else that does the same thing you do. So if and I understand that,
1: correctly, we need to get the concept, forget the logo, everything comes after, but get the concept. Yeah of what my business is like your brand your mission statement
0: your value proposition
1: what whatever yes, you
0: call and, it and to take that one step further how what what problem is it solving and how okay. is it going to make people feel because the branding really at its core is very emotional like you can convey a lot through an image because the image is going to subliminally help you feel a certain way you can you can you can have that logo uh convey you know, trust and credibility and stability. If you're uh, a financial services firm or you're a lawyer, you can have that logo create um, fun and playfulness. If you own a daycare or, or, or a, some kind of amusement park, you can have it convey you know um, forward thinkingness. If you have a tech firm, so it's it's also about how you want someone. You you need to make sure that there's going to be a match between what the visuals look like and how the visuals, like what kind of feelings those visuals are going to elicit and how you want people to feel about you. Like are, are, I am, I am reliable or I am fun or I am, you know, really tech savvy.
1: Okay. All of that so makes sense. So they may need to do some market research. They obviously need to talk to some people. They need to figure it out. They obviously shouldn't be doing this at home alone. By themselves for three dollars um we know we know everybody's gonna go on fiverr and try and figure out how to do it on their own but that's not necessarily the best strategy here in my opinion
0: yeah i would i would agree with you with a caveat okay if you if you're not sure about all of that and you go into it with eyes open because you think you know but you also know what you don't know some people can own up to that i know that there's things i don't know and other people think they know everything you know everything (laughs) If they're aware that this is the beginning of a learning process, then it doesn't make sense to invest a lot in a logo and a brand, like a visual brand right up front. Like if you're, if you're going to do the best you can because maybe A, you know it's going to change, B, you don't have a lot of money right off the bat, um, you could get something that is good enough. Certainly a professional designer or at least a freelancer um, rather than a do-it-yourself logo because you definitely want to start with credibility, but you can start without investing a ton in it and then see what happens. I have, there's a, there's a turning point for many businesses where they've been in business for a while and it's different depending on the business and how involved the owner is. Um, You know, are they a solopreneur or do they start out like, believe it or not, I actually started out with staff, which is kind of crazy and I just didn't know what it was doing, (laughs) but depending on whether the owner is working in the business or on the business, serving clients or just trying to, you know, grow. Like right away they've hired somebody and they're they're doing the networking but they're not doing the servicing of the client. So depending on, on how how much the owner has is in touch with the client experience and what the client feedback is, then somewhere between like six months and several years, they often realize that the business they thought they started is not actually the business that they're going to have in the future because it evolves around customer feedback, around realizing that something might be harder than they thought or easier than they thought or not as profitable as they thought.
1: Okay, that totally makes sense. But to me, that's almost like a dynamic business shift and and things do evolve.
0: Yes, and that's where, like when they feel like, okay, I have a handle on this because I've been successful at it and I now know what works and what doesn't work, and I know what messages resonate with my audience and which don't, that's when you should invest in, you know, real serious branding program because that's a brand that's based on some input and feedback and not just, you know, your thoughts in a vacuum
1: okay totally makes sense to me as, as i understand you're explaining it the one thing i was thinking though if you're going to launch a company and you know this larry because you do this at optimum design and consulting you need a website you need materials what business cards letterhead or template for all that so you need to have some kind of visual representation of your brand and or an actual representation if you're selling online or it's your online brochure so you want to have something that represents you as you launch I would
0: absolutely I mean in an ideal world you you can spend five or ten thousand to get yourself set up initially okay but know that you know in a year or two or three you might really double down and try and um hone that further and, and extend that brand into more places. Um, it's always best to start with good branding because when people look at you, they're going to make that first impression and you need to come across as credible and knowledgeable, et cetera, reliable. Um, I'm just making the point that sometimes that change often that changes. And, um, and I've, I've done a lot of sort of 2.0 branding for companies that,
1: Okay. started
0: on their own and then realized okay this is a little different than what i thought it was
1: and that totally makes sense because one of the things i was going to ask you later is is a brand forever or do we need a refresh and the answer is obviously a brand is not forever so to speak or the branding is not forever and you can refresh it um and we'll talk that but what should when somebody is launching or thinking a brand? What things now do they have to think of? Once they have their brand promise and understand who they are, what elements do we need to think of, and what goes into those decisions?
0: So the logo definitely everybody okay. needs a logo, and you should think about whether you need a tagline as well. A tagline is maybe three to five words that helps someone understand what you do. If your low, if the name of your company it's very literal because it tells somebody what you do in the name, then your tagline might be aspirational, like helping explain, you know, what you're providing to somebody. Um, Like, you know, and this is, I'm just using Volvo, because we talked about it before, and this is very not, you know, a real world scenario, but like, if the name of your company is Volvo cars, then your tagline might be, you know, you're safe with us or you're safe in our hands. So that's a way to do it where the, the name of the company is very obvious because it has the word cars in it. Right. Um, Alternately, if the name of your company is sort of a made-up name or something that doesn't really convey what you do, the tagline can be very concrete and tell people exactly what you do. And that tagline should always be designed to fit with your logo as one unit and you would use the logo plus tagline everywhere except at a very small size where the tagline would be hard to read and then you need a version that's just the logo when we do a logo design we we ask que- you know the questions of, that we talked about before like who's your target audience and what do you want to, to them to take away from this experience and like how do you want to make them feel etc cetera, etc cetera. and you usually have you know you ask somebody like are there colors that resonate with you. Um, branding and, and logos in particular are very personal. People have opinions about things and to some extent design is part mind reading because someone has this idea in their head of what they want it to <laughs> look like and you have to kind of pull it out of them. <laughs> um, so You ask people, you know, show me logos that you like and tell me why you like them. Show me logos you don't like and then you get a sense of what somebody's looking for and then you can create a logo where you're understanding, you know, who their target audience is and what, P- what the client wants them to feel and, you know, what color palettes are guiding them and, like, what kind of design aesthetic they like and, and that kind of thing. So that's the process of creating a logo. And then these days, everybody absolutely needs a website. Right. So I would say logo and website are the very most basic. It used to be that everybody needed a business card, and I still personally believe they do, but a lot of people don't leave house anymore <laughs> post-COVID. They,
1: they don't, and and they just share a contact, but I think business cards are important. I'm old school. I, what do can I say? I'm totally <laughs> old
0: school, but I'm also a print girl, and I, I love, you know, the fact that, like, I was at a networking meeting this morning, and somebody passed around their card, and everyone went... Ooh, this is a great card. And it was the paper stock. It felt really interesting. And somebody else's business card had like gold foil in an interesting way. And so you, you take a second look and that's part of the brand too. Like that, that the two cards that had these interesting uh, aspects to them belong to someone who's um, a stylist and someone who's got a PR firm. So they are obviously understanding the importance of, you know, it, that the brand is more than just the visual, but it's the whole experience. In this case, it was sensory when you're passing the card around.
1: Well, it's all that, yes. Besides sensory, it it represents you. So there's something to yeah. be said for it. Represents quality. It represents strength. It care. represents yep. care. Those those things that matter. Um, Absolutely. What else should a brand kind of represent for a company, or what else should people think about?
0: I think people need to make sure that their brand is consistent across all the different touch points. Okay. And you see this all the time when someone has only gotten a logo and website, but their newsletter looks nothing like their website. And their PowerPoint (laughs) presentation is your standard, you know, PowerPoint template that doesn't even have anything to do with their brand. And people need to remember that the brand is every single time you're in touch with people. Like it even could be the way that your you know receptionist answers the phone or the hold music that's on the phone. I mean, it's every single type of experience with somebody, there should be some thought into it. And, and is this tying back to our core values once we've defined what they are? And that is definitely visual, but it could also be experiential as we were talking about before. And that's, that's where people... Fall short is they say, okay, I've got my logo and website, and I'm done. But there are so many ways you show up in the world, from you know your social media profile images to um, the 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 signage that you have at a trade show. Um, You know, even even if your website looks beautiful, but you can download things off of it, and the downloaded things look like crap. So it all needs to be the same, and it all needs to be something that's. Thoughtful and considered and say and giving that subliminal impression that you're actually trying to convey
1: No, it totally makes sense and the consistency is key um, So what are some best practices for the website you mentioned websites? What are some best practices for websites when we're thinking about branding?
0: Well um, these days I uh, websites are very varied um, and so it really depends a bit on your audience because this answer could be slightly different depending on what you're trying to do but in general make information easy to find with just one or two clicks you want a really clear navigation structure and it doesn't mean that it has to be old-fashioned you know for example if, if your brand is about like, discovery and, and, and you know wonder, it could be surprising from a design standpoint how to navigate the site or enter it. You could roll over a box and something could pop up that brings you to another page, but it must be intuitive and easy to navigate. Um, you definitely want to look at website accessibility these days. Uh, there are a lot of people who um, have trouble with standard websites, and so they're using tools to help them access if they're visually impaired or uh, people who um, aren't able to navigate uh, with, with certain so- without certain software running. So you want to make sure that you're um, meeting the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act (ADA) guidelines. Don't follow design trends that get you too much into form over function. You know, you owe- pure design, like in an art studio, can be all form and no function. But your website needs to be functional. Design is really in service of communication, and the point of design is to help facilitate clear communication. So if your design is so striking that you can't figure out what it's trying to say or how to get to the next place on your website, then you've failed in a website design. It's important to keep content really fresh if your website is meant to be a resource. It's fine if your website is supposed to be an online brochure and it's not going to change. But if you're going to put a page that says resources or a blog on it, um, you need to be keeping that fresh or you look stupid frankly
1: yes you look old and uh, and out of business and all of the above absolutely yeah
0: And I would lastly say um, respect content creators. As a content creator, this is a big one for me. So, like, make sure you're ethically sourcing where the content comes from, your text, your images, your audio, your visuals. Don't just grab it off the Internet, but make sure that you have the right to use it. And and as you're refreshing that, you know, your your website and paying attention to it, like, look at it every 18 to 24 months and just look at it with a critical eye and and make sure it's still saying what you want it to say. Make sure that the design is not they all make sure that the technology is not outdated and just keep looking at it because society moves along and something that is totally appropriate in, in one era becomes not so appropriate in another era.
1: Totally makes sense. I would say even more than every 18 to 24 months. Absolutely. Let, since this is a show about public relations, so to speak, or PR and more, um, let's talk about the relationship between branding and public relations. and. Does branding come first? Does PR come first? Should they work together? When you're creating a brand, should you know what they're going to do for marketing and public relations and that kind of thing? And where does it all kind of factor in?
0: So it definitely is very interconnected and interrelated. I would say that branding precedes PR because you can drive a lot of people to a website with an article but if that website is looking like someone made it in their garage, all the credibility instantly disappears. That Absolutely, dies. So it's like wasted effort. It's like negative effort, actually, um, because then the next time somebody reads an article about that company, they're not—they're going to just you know roll their eyes. They're not even going to look. So you need to have a brand that is substantial and credible. So when PR drives audience to your online presence, you look the part. Um, but I do believe that PR firms can get involved in the branding process because. PR teams can help you hone your brand's messaging. Their experience with multiple clients, some of whom may be similar to to your brand, is going to be invaluable. Their opinion is going to be different from when you ask your clients or ask your uh, uh, staff or or ask your friends. You know, they have an expert handle on how to position your brand for your audience. And so if you let them, they can help your brand be even better.
1: That totally makes sense. And it goes back to what you said at the beginning. You never get a second chance to make a good first impression. So make... I think that's the
0: biggest takeaway.
1: If somebody wants to get started in branding or something, you, what should they think about? What What's a good skill set for them to have?
0: Well, they definitely need to go to design school. Okay. And I think they just need to be very aware, open their eyes and look at things like New York City, which is where we both live, is Full of visual stimulation, and you can just get so much input by walking down the street and and really looking. So, as people experience life, whether or not they're aware of it, they're experiencing brands that do and don't work. You know, they they can experience a brand that is you know really uh, has a high level of an integrity and honesty and authenticity, where it, and everything's very tight, and they know exactly what to expect expect and they, and the brand delivers on that promise and going through that experience can help you think about how to duplicate that experience for a client. On the flip side, it's really hard to correct the perception of being disingenuous. And, and, and that's, you know, you find that in New York city a lot. So I think just keeping your eyes open, um, looking and reading, you know, design journals, there's all kinds of marketing, uh, associations. There's, lots of people giving talks on branding, you know, be a sponge, go and learn everything you can about it and uh, intern or, or get hired at a firm that does branding. You'll, you'll start by watching and your own gut feelings and sort of intuition, you'll, you'll come to realize that you can rely on that because branding is not like a magic secret sauce. It's mostly about being aware of how, The brand is being perceived and then just trying to make sure that that's what you want and that that it's consistent everywhere you go
1: i love that and that's a good place probably to end this since we're almost out of time lara thanks so much for being here today so appreciate it
0: thank you sherry this was really a lot of fun i really loved it and i think that this is a fascinating conversation it's been a while since i've Thought about branding through this lens. So, thank you for taking me back to the basics.
1: My pleasure. <laughs> That's Let's Talk PR and More for today. You can find more information about the show and about me at Goldman Communications Group's website, www.goldmanpr.net. And if you want to hear the show again, you can listen to the podcast, which is posted on Goldman Communications Group's website, as well as on your favorite podcast sites, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Amazon and iHeartRadio. Thank you again for listening. I look forward to talking PR and more with you all again next week.